0: This is A Healthier Michigan Podcast, episode 61. Coming up, we uncover myths and misconceptions of immunization. Welcome to A Healthier Michigan Podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small healthy habits we can start right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gadekamp, and every other week, we'll sit down with a certified health expert from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. We dive into topics that cover nutrition, fitness, and a whole lot more. And on this episode, we're talking about vaccinations. This is going to be a huge topic as we head, hopefully, toward the end of this calendar year and into next year as well. We'll explore how they work, what impact they have on our immune system, and even uncover some myths. With me today is a clinical pharmacist at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Kelly DeJager. Kelly, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Chuck. Thank you.
0: So you're a Michigan native. You got your bachelor's in material science and engineering from U of M and then got your doctor of pharmacy from Wayne State. You've got a couple of kids, a husband who allows you to be a runner. Does he run with you? He does sometimes. Do you allow him to run without you? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And I see a picture of you. I have to ask about this because I know you have a dog named Pepper, but this is not Pepper who you're holding. I see a picture of you holding is that a baby alligator?
1: Yes. No, that is not Pepper. That is from a family trip to Florida. Not this year, last year. Yeah. And we got to uh, hold an alligator. It was actually at a mini golf course. So.
0: That's wild. Was that like uh, Fort Myers down to Naples somewhere down there? Because I may know the area. It
1: was near Daytona Beach.
0: Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Different. Well, we were in January. We were down there as well And my wife In a million years I never thought She would do such a thing I have pictures Of her holding I mean this is like A three to four foot alligator Yeah <laughs> It's it's not tiny Yeah Mm-hmm Very cool. Well, listen, we want to get into this topic of immunizations because there's so much to talk about and we are hearing news, it seems like every day, right? We've got major pharmaceutical companies racing to the finish line to try to create something for COVID-19. We've got talk of 20 other companies smaller that are doing the same thing that this could take literally the military to help immunize us. And I want to double back to that, but I want to start with some of the basics. How do they work? Like, how does a vaccine work once I get it in my arm? What happens?
1: So, great question, Chuck. So they work by imitating an infection. So um, vaccines stimulate your immune system uh, to recognize and fight a pathogen. And what a pathogen is, it's anything that can produce disease. So in the case of vaccines, it's usually a, a virus or bacteria And um, to do this, the molecules from the pathogen must be introduced into your body to trigger that immune response, which is what the vaccine does, is introduce it into your body. And the molecules called antigens, they present themselves as virus or bacteria. And giving the vaccine allows the person to build up immunity to a disease.
0: So when we build up this immunity, why, for instance, do we hear you know, comments about building up immunity to COVID, but with the flu, there's still a vaccine for the flu, but if I've had it before wouldn't I have built up an immunity? Or does it just go away over time?
1: So with the flu virus, it mutates. So it changes every year. So Uh, that's why we have the flu vaccine and a new flu vaccine comes out every year. So they start manufacturing that well before the flu season comes out. And based on uh, studies around different, like Southern and Northern Hemisphere, they predict what the strain is going to be. But that's why you need the flu vaccine every year because it mutates.
0: So is it better to have a natural immunity? I mean, if you had some kind of immune system booster that helped you, is that better than getting a vaccine, or is that really not the proper way to ask it?
1: So, natural immunity is, of course, important. However, obtaining natural immunity for these diseases that we now have vaccines for, such as measles or polio, Mm -hmm. to name just a few, is always far more dangerous than acquiring that immunity from the disease itself. You know, if you were to get the measles, for example, you know, before we had this vaccine available, uh, it would infect three to four million people a year in the United States. And of those, you know, several hundred would die from the disease. So you have that risk with the natural immunity that you don't with the vaccine acquired immunity.
0: And of course, I you know, if I walk into my local drugstore chain, I'll see, you know, the clinics that have popped up now and seems to be a pretty big part of their business model. But I'm also seeing on a sign, you know, even at Walmart or somewhere, I can get a vaccine now for, you know, pneumonia, for shingles. Is it okay to get multiple vaccines, or as long as you're doing it in the proper order, is that okay? Because I guess some of that's targeted towards seniors.
1: Yes, it's okay to get multiple vaccines. There are you know, certain ones, as you mentioned, that you want to get in a certain order. And the CDC um, publishes guidelines for people from birth all the way into adulthood with a schedule of how it's best to receive the vaccines. But it is perfectly fine to get more than one at a time if that is required.
0: So for some people, they could have a reaction, and I'm not sure everybody knows that that reaction is coming. I had a bad reaction years and years ago to a flu vaccination. And I don't know if it has to do with an egg allergy or what it could be. But anyway, there are people who don't know it's coming. But generally, is most everybody okay getting a vaccination? And for those who aren't okay, like, who are they? Why? Because we all should really know that somehow.
1: Right. So yes, most people are fine getting a vaccination. You mentioned maybe having a reaction to the vaccine in the past. Mm-hmm. So most of the reactions that people are going to see are a side effect to the vaccine. So that'd be like a sore arm, maybe a mild fever, some redness at the site of injection. Mm. Very serious reactions are extremely rare to vaccine Vaccines, and it is much, you know, more risky to actually get the disease itself. And um, to answer your question about like who should maybe not get a vaccine. So for every vaccine that is out there, the CDC has guidelines on contraindications. So people who shouldn't get the vaccine or maybe precautions. So just to give one example would be someone who is immunocompromised. So for example, a patient who has cancer, who is receiving chemotherapy would be considered compromise so there are certain vaccines that they would not be able to get until you know they were through treatment and well again but there's very few people who are would not be able to get a vaccine. As I mentioned before too, like age plays into that factor. So there's vaccines that are to be given at a certain age. And it's interesting too, if you bring up the egg allergy and the flu vaccine, the traditional way for over 70 years was to actually grow it in um, an egg. So there was always that theoretical risk that someone who has an egg allergy could have a um, bad reaction to it. However, they have found that it's more of like a theoretical risk that people that do have an egg allergy can actually receive that vaccine. Just to let you know, there are two within the last decade, they've developed other ways of growing these vaccines so there actually are two available that don't have any egg in them. So if you're still unsure, I would, you know, recommend that you check with your doctor or pharmacist about how it was, you know, manufactured, even look at the CDC website.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think we all tend to think, or a lot of us do, that we're getting vaccinated for our own health. And just, gosh, it's got to be five years ago, we were having a new baby granddaughter introduced into our family. I was doing a bit of caregiving for my two senior parents, and I was advised by my doc that I should be vaccinated for certain things so that I wouldn't pass on something to them. Like I could do okay with it, maybe be sick for a day or two, but boy, if you give it to your parents, it could be a whole different thing. So some of these things we need to think about the others around us, much like we have been with wearing a mask. It's not just about us.
1: Yes, exactly. So that probably, I'm thinking, was maybe if you were having a new um, grandbaby come the Tdap vaccine.
0: Yes, that's what it was.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So that is recommended for women who are in their third trimester of pregnancy, and then anyone who is going to be in close contact with the baby when they're first born, they call that... There's a couple different terms so like you form like a cocoon around the baby to help protect it or kind of in a broader sense with even more of the different vaccines we have like herd immunity so those patients that maybe we talked about immunocompromised can't get the vaccine it's really important that everyone else who is able to be vaccinated get the vaccine to protect those people
0: mm-hmm and what outside of the obvious that we've just spent a few minutes talking about what other benefits could I be missing? For getting a vaccination, what else can we be thinking about?
1: The benefits of vaccines, so they protect people by producing immunity, they're going to reduce the risk of not just infection, but also many of these different diseases have complications from an infection. Some of them could be lifelong. Mm. So, you know, those are the main benefits of the vaccine is just by, you know, protecting you from getting the actual infection, protecting those around you, and then also just reducing the risk of complications, even with we talked a little bit about the flu vaccine, you know, sometimes people may, you know, feel that it's not that effective or hear through the news that it maybe isn't that effective. It will still generally people who have the flu vaccine will have a milder case of it. So it's still recommended to to get it with that being a consideration.
0: So let me ask you a question because here you are doctor of pharmacy, so you've forgotten more about this than I know. But I'm just so curious why did it take so long for us to see a clinic in a pharmacy where I could get a shot. You know, it used to be you had to make an appointment with your doctor, you had to go pay an office visit, etc. So I'm assuming there's a profit center to some of this, right? It just makes sense for CVS and Walmart and uh, Walgreens to have this. But beyond that, it's a convenience factor. It's like, bada-bing, bada-boom, I'm in, I'm out, you know, and I got to go. And so wh- why did it take so long?
1: So the exact answer of why did it takes so long... I don't know that I can answer that but you know as far as like advocating for pharmacists coming into this role of immunization I think that it is you know great especially like you mentioned like the convenience factor of getting yeah to just go into like the pharmacy to get vaccinated. And I will say that the role has been expanding as well. So for instance, the age that you can get vaccinated in a pharmacy has gone down. So it used to maybe be like teenagers or adults, but you know, some pharmacies are even vaccinating at the age of four, which is great. You know, some of those vaccines that you get when you're an infant, of course, they combine them with well visits. So it makes sense to go to your doctor, but for to just get your whole family, a flu vaccine, yeah, uh, I think that, you know, being in the pharmacy is very, you know, convenient and great to see that happening.
0: Is it actually pharmacists who are dispensing a vaccination, the person giving me the shot, or is it a med tech? Like, literally, who who is it that's doing it?
1: Depending on how the practice is set up in the pharmacy, it could be the pharmacist. And I think traditionally, when it first started, that was who was doing the vaccinating. There are, you know, you see like the minute clinics or other things that are in some of the pharmacies. Yeah. Those ones, it might be not the pharmacist, like in those. I'm actually not, how those are set up, but it could be like a med tech or or a nurse or someone other than the pharmacist.
0: So since the vaccine is helping, you know, fight off the potential for whatever strain of the flu is coming, this still doesn't mean that if you have a regimen that seems to work for you, you know, we've heard a lot about zinc and vitamin C and... There are a lot of people that have their own little system of boosting their immune system. That doesn't mean you should automatically pull back on that either, right? It it seems like you got double-barreled power then going off against the uh, flu.
1: No, and especially um, with what is happening right now with COVID 19, you kind of touched on that a little bit. It's more important than ever to make sure that you're getting that flu vaccine this season Mm. because of the, you know, we don't have that kind of protection for COVID 19 right now. So to have the potential to have both infections is there for a person and just the strain on the healthcare system. We really want to encourage people to get their flu vaccine and to even get it earlier than they may have gotten it in the past just to make sure that everyone's protected.
0: And you say everyone. So the flu vaccine is really for the entire family from young kids all the way up to mom and dad. This isn't just for middle age and older.
1: Right. So it's recommended for six months and up. So, you know, babies under six months can't get it. That's why, again, it's important Mm. for those um, that are around infants that young to be protected. But yes, it is recommended for people who are six months and older.
0: What if, um, this is going to be a weird question because it's like saying, what if antibiotics weren't here? Because there was a time not that long ago where, you know, if you cut your leg open on a wire fence, you didn't have any ointment to put on there. And now we know why, you know, people died younger maybe. But if vaccines went away, if we didn't have vaccines, what would be happening? So I think one of the best
1: ways to describe that is to just look at history. You know, nowadays we don't see diseases like measles, polio, whooping cough that were, you know, around more when um, I yeah. know my parents <laughs> had uh, a measles. And prior to vaccines, you would have thousands of people who would die or have permanent complications from these diseases, And as we've seen them develop, we don't really see these diseases anymore. So, you know, and, and as we mentioned, they kind of protect the whole community. So if we stop vaccinating, you would see increased cases of these diseases out there. And we have even seen pockets of this, I don't know if you remember last year in 2019, there was a outbreak of measles in Oakland County. The Michigan Department of Health and Human Services actually confirmed there were 46 cases. So, you know, things like that would be more widespread if we didn't have them.
0: Now, you know, I'm going to date myself, but I know I remember distinctly growing up and I don't know from what age that I even was aware of it to the point that I still knew it was going out. You know, there used to be measles parties. Can you imagine your mom and dad would say, take little Chucky over to that party over there because his two cousins have measles? They wanted you to catch it because they wanted, uh, would that be considered herd immunity in a rough sense back in the day? That's crazy to think about.
1: In a sort of sense, but that's definitely not something we recommend, you know, now. And when I I was young, the the chicken pox was still out there. And I know that that parents had done that. But again, the dangers from getting the disease are Far more serious than the vaccine.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I know it was there, and I don't remember exactly if I was thrown into the huddle or not. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember if I right. got it, you know, naturally or otherwise. So let's double back on something that I think is important because there are a lot of parents, and, you know, parents are the ones that should be in charge of their children's health and their own health, who are kind of lumped into a group of anti vaxxers. You know, they really are concerned about kids getting vaccines because it could lead to autism or it could be that there's something in the the actual vial or the you know the needle isn't sterilized or something and it could and i'm not going to say that it's crazy thinking i'm just saying that this thought exists give us your take on this and if you were advising young families with children about vaccinations you've kind of said it already but why is it that with all the information we have at our fingertips we would still have people thinking that vaccines are bad when it seems to me that the evidence is overwhelming the other way
1: so I think it's really important that parents or you know, anyone who's going to get a vaccine make sure that they seek uh, information from credible sources like the CDC. Because as you mentioned, there is a lot of information out there from anti-vaxxers that kind of stirs up fear that maybe these vaccines are causing more harm than good. And that is completely not the case. So to address the potential link that has been posed with autism, The widespread fear from that came back from a study that was done in the late 1990s. And the author of that study has since lost his medical license because that study was proven to be not founded. There is no link between vaccines and autism. But, you know, unfortunately, some damage was already done with that. And, you know, since then, there have been numerous studies done. And again, I would, you know, urge people to talk with their doctor or look at what the CDC has, because they have some really awesome info that links the studies, even the names of the studies that have been done in these vaccines, and none of them have linked the vaccines to autism. And then, Chuck, I think you mentioned, too, like the contents of the vaccine. So like what's in the vaccine and some parents are kind of afraid about that, which, you know, of course, you know, I'm a parent, too. So you have a lot of concerns to keep your your child safe. Yeah, for sure. And just assuring parents that, you know, each ingredient in the vaccine serves a purpose, whether it's providing the immunity. So the antigen that's in there, um, keeping it safe and long lasting and then other things that are used in the production of the vaccine. So vaccines do contain trace amounts of formaldehyde, which I know sounds, but you actually produce that naturally in in your body. So what we metabolize is actually more than what's found in the vaccine. You know, all these different additives actually, you know, make the vaccine safer. So it's just trying to, you know, assure parents that these have been studied and um, have gone through lots of safety testing before they're actually given to their children.
0: And, you know, I think I think in this fast moving world of ours especially now with uh, social distancing We maybe over time have lost sight of the fact that our pediatricians, our doctors, our pharmacists, the experts that we've always had in our life, we sort of think it's just the person behind the glass and they filled my script and, you know, again, got to go and swipe my card and let's do it. But I think that we need to rely on those people as well because those are the people, pediatrician, they're going to be in your child's life, in your life. You're going to see them a lot, you know, over the course of time. And I think it's good to defer to their knowledge and to some extent their authority in this matter. Matter too, you know, take their advice to heart.
1: Yeah, of course. I think that's really important. And as I, you know, mentioned that my children, I have vaccinated them all on schedule up to date and even just kind of making it a little bit more personal when you're talking with maybe your doctor and your pharmacist about you know what their take on it what they've done maybe with their family because you know I think that really even more than some of the the facts and the science out there it has that connection if you can make that with like your your patients or have that with your doctor or pharmacist
0: as a mom how often does this conversation especially when your kids were much younger but how often does that come up in a parents circle you know of your friends neighbors churchgoers etc it, it seems to me when we were raising our kids Kids. We were talking to other parents a lot. Well, what are you doing? What do you think? Do you think it's safe? Uh, you know, that happens holistically.
1: Oh yeah. And I think that yeah, definitely, and especially things are different now with social media and it's really easy. There's just like information everywhere. So kind of like who do you trust? What do you do? So that definitely comes up, you know, when you're a mom talking with your friends. I think that, you know, a lot of times maybe we you know, most of my friends were kind of on the same page as me as regarding vaccination. So I, I didn't really get any kind of arguments that way. But yeah. Yeah.
0: That's good. And I you know, we're in a world where it seems like again daily this idea of uh, you know vaccines for COVID nineteen, the big players that we're hearing about, some names we never even knew, you know Moderna and but we know Johnson and Johnson, some others, but. There are all these other small companies, some that are international, and they're racing to the finish line. Our government and other governments are throwing billions of dollars at them to say, come on, let's get it done fast, and it seems like they're moving at breakneck speed. And I don't know, as a pharmacist, what's your view of the speed at which we're trying to do this? Because it seems like we should be racing to the finish line for a really good reason, quickly.
1: Right. And I would uh, agree that kind of what you said with their sort of like pulling out all the stops with this vaccine and trying to get it to market with a good reason. But I would, you know, still let the people know that this is still, you know, being tested. It's still got to go through. There's a federal advisory committee for vaccines called the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, and they are, you know, made up of public health experts and they review the data, the science behind vaccines and make recommendations to the CDC. So I'm thinking, you know, that that what's happening now, even though it's happening fast, that there's some level of trust with your medical community and, you know, what this committee does and just, you know, how it develops its recommendations to the CDC. And, you know, I don't know that it's, obviously we're trying to to get it out there, but it might not be, you know, in in phases, they might recommend it for, you know, people who are going to be high risk. So yeah, it's interesting to kind of hear everything that's going on.
0: Well, you know, it's been referred to as a war effort. And I think when you just even if a third of our population wanted to get a vaccine and I'm just assuming it's one shot, maybe you have to go back in a month or something and get a second shot. But one shot for a third of Americans would be uh, over 100 million doses. I mean, that's a lot to expect companies to ramp up. So in a funny way. You know, I'll just speak for me. I'm kind of a type A guy. I like to get things done fast. If, you know, the government's lumbering along on something or it takes too long for a package or I can't get my book from Amazon tomorrow, I'm sort of like, oh, you know, I'm I'm used to getting things now in a day. So it's funny that I hear people complaining about how fast things could be moving because maybe the federal government did what it was supposed to do and just kind of clear the deck of a lot of different regulations and smooth the system out so we can get this stuff we need. As quickly as it's feasible and safe, you know. So what will be the true test for a new vaccine for you, for you, your husband, and your two kids? What are you going to be looking for, which then will be my new advice in my brain? (laughs) Of what I'm looking for. Is it this this national panel you're talking about that reports to the CDC?
1: Yes. Follow what the CDC is recommending as far as, you know, schedules for how the COVID-19 vaccine would be distributed and who, you know, which population is going to get it first and follow along with that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good advice. And I think we're all going to have to do that because it sounds like there's hope. Uh, Even if you just kind of read between the lines, there's hope something's coming here toward the end of the calendar year, which would be Mm -hmm. interesting to hear about. So as we wrap things up, give us some takeaways from all that we've discussed. And I know we've gone down some trails, but you've got so much information and you're so nice to give it to us. But what are some takeaways we should all think about when it comes to vaccinations in general for us and our families?
1: So I think, you know, first, I'd like to start with just kind of what's happening with the pandemic and the situation that we were in with people just not being able to leave their house, not being able to maybe go see their doctor to get those routine vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And the importance of making sure that parents or, you know, even adults contact their doctor and make sure that if they are either, you know, missed vaccines behind or, please reach out to your doctor and make sure that you get caught up and sort of, you know, if you're still afraid of maybe to bring your child into the office. I know that, you know, our pediatrician's office has been doing a great job with allowing parents to wait in their car until they come in and just, you know, do everything that you can to get your child caught up with their vaccines. I think another tip would be to make sure you get your flu vaccine this season because that is one that you need to get every year. And as I uh, mentioned again, with the COVID-19 pandemic, you want to make sure that you're protected from the flu because we don't have that available right now.
0: Yeah. And pneumonia, anything else that we should be thinking about, especially uh, as we head into the fall and winter vaccines for anything else beyond flu?
1: Yeah, so that is one that is given to both children and adults. So if you are, you know, not sure if you've had it or, you know, not the pneumonia vaccine before, that would be, um, you know, something to contact your doctor about or pharmacist and see where you are in the schedule and if it would be, you know, part of that. And then, you know, there's some data that has come out to just is how far behind Michigan was itself in like vaccines. And we've seen a huge drop in vaccines in children under two, just with the outcome of COVID-19, I think as much as like 15% decrease from April of 2020 compared to to 19. And there's just a few kind of statistics that I wanted to kind of give off that I pulled from a website called iVaccinate, which is was created to educate like new moms, the importance of vaccines. So it kind of stated that before vaccines were around, parents in the United States could expect that polio would paralyze 10,000 children. The pertussis or whooping cough would kill 8,000 infants. Mm. Measles would infect 4 million children, killing, you know, about 500. So these are, you know, kind of the reality of what we kind of already talked about that what would happen if we didn't vaccinate, you know, some things that mm-hmm. we could see.
0: And what you're saying, I'm, I'm listening to You say this because of the COVID, a lot of people just weren't taking their youngsters to the doctor to get the vaccine. Is that what it is? They pulled back?
1: Yeah. You know, unfortunately, rightfully so, some offices had to kind of close for a period of time. Yeah. In order to kind of figure out, you know, what are we going to do with COVID 19? So we've been kind of encouraging, you know, at Blue Cross, our members to reach out to their doctor to find out what they have in place. Like, as I mentioned, they've done creative things with like having your waiting room be in your car so that they don't have a waiting room anymore. You come into the office and they take a temperature to try and also limit the number of people that are coming into the visit so you know maybe if you're able to just have one parent take the child instead of both parents yeah. so that you're limiting the people that have to come in contact but yeah definitely I think it was part out of necessity of what was happening and then part out of you know some fear of parents and even kind of an, another tidbit or point we've heard a lot about you know schools <laughs> what schools are doing as yeah. far as if they're you know going virtual going back and I would you know encourage parents even if you're following the strictest of social social distancing and you know not leaving the house once things will get back to normal. um, and when they do, you want to make sure that your child is, you know, protected. So that's so important to make sure that they're caught up on those.
0: Yeah. Staying up to date and pack your patients, even if you have to make a doc appointment, you know, a little farther down than you thought you had to in terms of your calendar. Just make sure you're up to date.
1: Yeah, like I said, I would contact your child's pediatrician because I know that they do want to vaccinate.
0: Well, Kelly DeJager, thank you so much for being with us. Kelly's a clinical pharmacist at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. I suspect we'll talk again as we start to hear about vaccinations, which I can't imagine we won't uh, by the end of this year into next year, hopefully. So thanks so much for all your input and your knowledge, Kelly. Thank you, Chuck. Take good care of yourself and be well. We want to thank everybody for listening. This has been a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. And if you like our show, you want to know more, Uh, You can check it out online, org slash podcast. You can leave reviews or ratings on Apple Podcast or Stitcher, and you can get all the new episodes and all the old episodes. I mean, today was episode 61, so there's a lot of good stuff available. You can take this with you on your smartphone, your tablet, so be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'll say it again. Be well. I'm Chuck Gadegan.